0: Greetings, my name is Patrick and I'm an alcoholic. Today I'll be reading from a book called The Home Group, The Heartbeat of AA. And it's a collection of articles reprinted from the AA grapevine. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2022. Today's title, People Make the Program, from December, 1992. Here we go. For almost two years now, I have been attending a very special AA meeting. It is held on Sunday nights. We often have terrific speakers and it is held in the prison I am incarcerated in. I can still remember my first, first months of attending and listening to the various speakers who came from the outside community, sometimes ex-inmates themselves. The nights there weren't a speaker. The 25 or so guys would just hold an open meeting led by the civilians who always attended 52 Sundays a year, including Easter and Super Bowl Sunday. Those first months were very hard for me. It seemed like every week, one guy who'd be in prison for a DWI perhaps would say, thank God a kid never ran in front of my car. In the course of sharing his thoughts, I'd go back to my dorm after the meeting and bury my head in my pillow feeling miserable because an eight-year-old kid did run in front of my car when I was so drunk I was on the wrong side of the road and I was in prison for killing him. Slowly, I began to emerge from my shell. The Sunday AA meeting began to be the place I could come to and talk to others who shared the pain of their alcoholism and were committed to doing something about it. I was never one to say much during the meeting except maybe to thank the speaker with a few words. But afterward, while we were waiting to go back to our dorms and then on the walkway, I would speak to one or two other inmates telling them a little bit about how bad I felt. I found someone else who had injured a family in an auto accident while he was intoxicated, severely injuring himself also. He is grateful that they and he were alive. Just knowing him made me feel better. Prison is not a place where trust is easily built, where people share all their stories easily. Our Sunday AA meetings seemed to transcend all that. Guys were opening up and sharing bits and pieces of their past pain, deep felt shame, and their current feelings of gratitude for the program. There was both pain and humor there too. The ability to laugh at ourselves when it was an intrinsic part of the healing process. Eventually, it was decided we should have an election and elect a new inmate to open up the meeting and call for the readings and introductions. I was chosen, and the next week we were without a speaker. I looked at the civilian who said, as he usually does, anybody want to come up and share? I told him I would. My story came out well enough, but as I got towards the end, it became hard to tell the emotions welling up inside me as I spoke about how badly I had hurt a whole family, the family of the child I had killed. I told, ab- I told about the courtroom screams, the nights lying awake feeling I had done something so wrong. I could never be whole or healthy again. It was an incredibly powerful experience for me. Some time has passed and I still start the meeting off, come up with a new topic and then whenever we are running out of a speaker. I have watched as guys left missing their presence on Sunday nights, then slowly others start to speak up, fill their shoes, so to speak, as guys gradually determined, as I did, that the meeting was a safe environment to share their experience, strength, and hope. It becomes like a cycle. The new guy who sits in the back, slowly working his way up until he is in the front row right in front of me, raising his hand and saying something I need to hear that day. I joke and tell the guys, this is so good, this meeting is so good, I'd climb the fence to get back into this meeting on Sunday. Yeah, that good, huh? Hopefully I will be one of the outside speakers who comes in to share someday. I couldn't say enough about the civilians who come every Sunday. Besides running a great meeting, telling us how we keep them sober, They have instilled in me a great faith in AA that it will, as I work it upon my eventual release, help me make the transition back to society. You get out of this program, what you put into it is an expression I hear a lot. I'm lucky to be in a meeting where a lot of guys are putting in a lot. Some things about AA and prison are different. Mandatory attendance or you're thrown off the list. Anonymity being no more than just another long word when your name is on a facility-wide call-out sheet each week. But the general feel of a street AA meeting can definitely be preserved in a prison setting. The people make the meeting. AA people give people in prison hope. For a little while each Sunday, it's almost like I'm not in prison. People make that meeting. All of us who are finally dealing with our alcoholism. That comes to us from Robert K in Marcy, New York.
1: Thank you everyone for coming on today's meeting of Elnon. We're going to be talking about the fourth step. Let's go ahead and open up with a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer, please. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And we want to welcome Patrick. We have one of our old-timers that comes over here regularly. He'll say hi to you, and we'll be asking him questions about uh, how he ended up in Elnon, or what's his observations of Elanon, or if... Uh if he has any wit on, uh, Mark Twain about Elna.
0: Greetings, Patrick. Alcoholic in recovery here, uh, spending an afternoon with Fernando. Where should I go from here, Fernando?
1: Oh, tell him about your broken leg.
0: Oh, I was just relaying to, uh, Fernando how, uh, in the summer of 1987, I was uh, just turned 23, just come off of Skid Row in Los Angeles, and I was living off of uh, living on Thunderbird and Night Train, rotgut wine, pretty healthy there. Anyway, uh, me and a buddy of mine got in a blackout and uh, ended up in the hospital. Uh, I, I was hit by a car in a hit-and-run accident. And I woke up in the hospital. They're setting my leg and then wrapping it in plaster and this and that. And uh, anyway, I go back home. I was living in like a halfway house in the Pico Union District of Los Angeles. And um, it's known for uh, a lot of MS-13 activity. And here I am, a a tall, long-haired, blonde, white boy on crutches walking around their territory. Anyway... um, recovered for a couple of weeks, still drinking, and uh, I don't know what came over me. I just thought I can do better than this in life, and I started uh, attending regular meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. Every noontime, I'd, uh, on my crutches, hobble through MacArthur Park, which most of the time, even in broad daylight, is no man's land, uh, unless you're buying or selling or slinging or whatever you're doing, uh, or a cop. Uh, anyway, um, within six months of sobriety, I ended up uh, in a very nice, renting a room in a very nice home. I was enrolled in college, met a sweet girl, um, and uh, one of my first assignments at the college level was an English class about writing. And so I wrote about my, what I just relayed to you, about my experience about being hit with a car. And it dawned on me as I was writing, and it all came out in the writing, that if it weren't for me getting hit by that car in a blackout, I probably would have continued drinking until I died another way. And to sum it up, I titled, I regarded the whole incident, the whole, from the time of being hit by a car until the time of writing it as basically a blessing in disguise because I would not have ended up in college in a nice home, uh, the trust and credibility, my credibility with my family and other people, um, I got my health back and I just thought, well, you know, being hit by a car was really a blessing in disguise. And then to summarize it, I just, I kind of prayed and wished that whoever hit me with that car gets the same blessing in disguise as I did. So that began a 10-year journey of uh, sobriety for me, and uh, I'll just say this, all was more than well during that 10 years. So sobriety works, recovery works, the program works. Um, Hopefully you don't have to go to the depths I went to to find out, but. Anyway, here's Fernando.
1: Thank you very much, Patrick. We appreciate yeah, it. We're, we're going to be working on the, going over some four step things. So I asked him to come over, and he brought up a blueprint for progress, is El Anon Family Group's publication back in 1976, I'm almost 50 years old. But I'll, I'll read you a little bit of it, uh, it says personal reflections. It's so rewarding and enlightening to make a written inventory. It helped me to write about my feelings towards situations instead of the events themselves. My feelings are neither right nor wrong. They simply make who I am. And I can accept being me. I can't always accept being what others would have me to be. Now, there, there you go again. You said you, but written writing puts our feelings down or the situation. <laughs> yeah. And well, the good thing about doing a fourth step inventory is that our feelings come out and we kind of straighten them out. Who's who, who did what, what, what was my part, and what are my good qualities we we put in there.
0: Yeah, I, I think I mentioned to you, someone told me the fastest way to God in honesty is a number, number two pencil and a piece of paper.
1: Wow, that's very smart. It's
0: very true, too.
1: You know, we have a writing meeting in our L now, and that's all I go to is writing meetings, inventory, and I just feel so close to God when I do exactly what you said, get that piece of paper and honesty. Duh. A real inventory is a self-produced analysis of what you are and how you got that way. The time it takes is not... Why, not while waiting for a bus, nor when you are upset, nor is it good to take an inventory too soon after coming into the program. Step four is not only supposed to help us become aware of our shortcomings, it's meant to add to our feelings of self-worth as well. We have at least many good qualities. Not to recognize this is to cheat ourselves, even improving for a short comings can be considered a good quality improvement on some small things even the attitude that something good is going to come out of us and thanking god that at least we're facing in the right direction of, of facing our our feelings being willing to change takes maturity like for instance in a situation where you used to use courage and you got to confront somebody you know somebody took your best girlfriend out or something and you got to confront the person uh, he's a he's a football guy, <laughs> right. you know. You know it's not going to go well, so and if I retract on those feelings, which I probably have, that would have been create. Uh, I short myself from life, so I had to write all that down and go back and straighten it out. Says so I, you know, uh, what was my part about it and uh, and forgive myself, whatever. But there's still situations are still locked in and. Writing about them and being honest, I think takes us back in time. takes us back in time oh, yeah. to fix those situations. because we bring our feelings or imagination, bring it back to life, bring God into the picture with honesty and then erase it out of the life, out of the uh, memory, out of the hard drive. So you know we can have a, a new new experiences and live life the way it was designed to be. Amen.
0: Yeah, revisiting the past
1: amen properly not remorsefully yeah all right well let's go ahead and pray out a little 10 minute little reading let's pray the god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference amen